Hello everyone, welcome to Hometown Horrors. I'm your host Leanne. Today's case is going to be at least two parts. It might be three, but I'm going to try to keep it at two. So today's episode is going to be part one. Um, part two will be coming out within the next few days because I, I don't want to make you all wait for that. Um, there In the show notes, there will be a link to my blog post that goes along with the podcast. And in that is the sources that I've used. And there's also a link to where I, um, where I looked at all the documents and pictures and videos and things like that. So you can take a look at that yourself to support what we're going to be talking about today. So let's get started. I do have a few, I guess, trigger warnings, advisories, whatever. So the first one is... This does contain adult themes, including death and sexual assault. So if that's a trigger for you, you may want to skip these episodes. Um, Also, the views, thoughts, and opinions are my own. Information is obtained from verified sources and family members. Parties are innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Just trying to cover all my bases and everything. So we will get started. Today is the case of Justice for Grant and Gracie, Part 1. A son's suspicious death. A daughter's accusation of sexual abuse. A daughter's bedroom door that only locks from the inside. A wife and mother who was abused and made to look mentally unstable. An evangelical church and school that ignored and denied it all. Ties to politicians, law enforcement, and courts. This sounds like a plot to a movie, but it is very real. This is the case of Gracie and Grant Solomon and how their father may have gotten away with killing his son and abusing his daughter. The state of Tennessee failed Grant and Gracie. The police failed them. The school and church that they loved and trusted failed them. Their stories should be covered by all the media outlets, and their father, Aaron Solomon, should be in jail. The following are Grant and Gracie's stories. Please share them. Please visit the social media sites, sign petitions, and demand justice for Grant and Gracie. So I'm going to start off talking about the father, Aaron Solomon. I don't want to talk about him a lot because he's a horrible person, but I do need to give a little bit of background on him. Aaron Solomon is a well-known around the Nashville area and in the affluent city of Franklin. Aaron was a sport reporter and morning anchor at WSMV-TV. He left the station in 2011. Aaron insists that he left voluntarily. However, Angie, which is his ex-wife and Grant and Gracie's mother, Um, And other sources stated he was forced to leave due to inappropriate materials on his computer and phone. He then had a short career in sports radio. After that, he left broadcasting. In 2012, he received a multi-million dollar inheritance. Now that he had so much financial freedom, his behavior becomes more erratic and concerning. In 2014, Solomon became a financial planner. Um, Not real sure what he's doing now. 
because he got fired for forging a check. Okay, now we're going to talk about Angie Solomon, which is Grant and Gracie's mother and Aaron's ex-wife. Angie was exposed to abuse from an early age. She went on to become a doctor of pharmacy. After being reacquainted with a guy from her past in a strange six-week courtship that resulted in Angie becoming pregnant with Grant, she felt she had to marry Aaron. Gracie was born in 2006. In 2008, Angie discovered Aaron is having numerous affairs, hiring sex workers, and grooming underage girls. In 2008, Aaron told Angie, quote, If you ever tell anyone about anything, I will make sure you never see your kids again, end quote. Angie begins seeing a therapist. Aaron does not like this because he has to have complete control over who Angie talks to and what she says. Here's an example. Aaron would go to the salon with Angie to hear what she was talking about. Aaron even enjoyed Angie's therapy sessions. During these sessions, Angie was diagnosed with PTSD and Aaron was diagnosed with sex addiction. After years of controlling behavior and abuse, being married to Aaron was becoming unbearable. When Angie learned of the horrible abuse Gracie was suffering at the hands of Aaron, Angie knew she had to fight for the safety of herself and her children. In 2012, Angie started seeing Dr. Michael Reed, a psychiatrist, to help her cope with the abuse and to help her make a plan to get herself and the kids out safely. In early 2013, Gracie, who was then five years old, would beg to not take a bath. She told her mom that her father, Aaron, would, quote, put things up inside her during bath time and it hurt. When confronted, Aaron did admit to the abuse and told Angie that if she told anyone, he would take the kids away from her. Also in early 2013, the Nashville Police Department was called to the Solomon home. There isn't much information about this call, but there is a statement from a Nashville Fire Department EMT. In this statement, he says that they were not on scene long and Aaron came outside. He was very chatty while Angie and the kids were inside speaking with the police. Aaron told them that Angie was mentally ill and was causing trouble. When Angie and the children came out of the house, Aaron's behavior changed immediately. He looked angry. The EMT said that he remembers Aaron taking a few steps toward Angie, but was stopped by Nashville PD. With Dr. Reed's help, Angie began planning her and the children's escape. She would take notes on her phone of everything that had happened. In March of 2013, Angie rushes out of the house to pick up Grant and Gracie, leaving her phone behind. Aaron uses this opportunity to go through Angie's phone and finds her notes. In her notes is, quote, oh wait, oh, yeah, 
I told you what would happen if you ever talked to anyone about what's going on in the house. That actually wasn't in the notes, but that's what he told her when he read her notes. I quote, I told you what would happen if you ever talked to anyone about what's going on in this house, end quote. He then drops her phone into the toilet. On April 8th, 2013, Aaron takes a check from the desk of an employee at the children's school, Grace Christian Academy. This is part of Grace Chapel, um, and we'll talk about them later. After stealing the check, Aaron forges Mindy Hicks' signature. Mindy Hicks does not have check writing privileges, so this was flagged at the bank and brought to the school's attention. Robbie Mason, who is the head of and owner of Grace Christian Academy, declared eight years later that Aaron was owed the money, but it was proven Aaron did forge the check. You'll see throughout that there's so many different stories and lies and you don't know who to trust and there's so many people that cover for him. It's ridiculous. On May 9th, 2013, around midnight, Aaron tried to strangle Angie with a hairdryer cord. Grant, the son, witnessed this attack. Angie and Grant were so scared that they did not tell anyone. Aaron lied to Angie's parents in the hospital, telling them she tried to complete suicide. On May 10th, 2013, Angie takes the kids to school and chaperones a field trip. When she comes back home, waiting on her is Aaron and and her parents. They take Angie to Parthenon Centennial Hospital, telling the staff that she has tried to commit suicide. She spoke with Dr. Murphy telling her she did not do this to herself and Aaron abused her and tried to kill her the day before. They keep her overnight to protect her from Aaron and advise her to get a restraining order. Angie was granted that restraining order. Aaron also starts receiving $100,000 a month from his inheritance. On May 11, 2013, when Angie returns from the hospital, Aaron and the children are gone. She tries calling Aaron. He does not answer. She contacts her parents and her in-laws. No one will answer her calls. May 12th, 2013 was Mother's Day. And Angie is hoping that Aaron will bring the kids by there because it is Mother's Day. This doesn't happen. Instead, Aaron calls the Nashville Police Department telling them that Angie is suicidal again. When NPD shows up, it's obviously, it's obvious that Angie is not suicidal. They leave without taking any action. Aaron does not return with the children. Angie's father makes the following statement when Angie discloses the abuse to him. Quote, this is a quote from Angie's father. I did not see that. Husbands can do whatever they want to their wives. End quote. May 14th, 2013. 
Angie still hasn't heard from Erin or her children. She calls the NPD West Precinct and the person taking her call treats her complaint seriously. Then Erin places a call to someone higher up. Angie ends up revoking her, restra- her restraining order against Erin due to Erin and her parents telling her if she did so, they would be then she would be able to see her kids again. On May 15th, 2013, Angie contacts a friend who is a lawyer, and together they find out that Aaron has filed for divorce and filed an order of protection on behalf of himself and the children. In mid-May, Gracie graduated from kindergarten, but Angie was not allowed on campus to attend the ceremony. May 26, 2013, Aaron Angie's parents and the children return to the house. Aaron tells Angie that if she, quote, behaves as she should, he and the children will stay. On May 27th, 2013, about 5 a.m. in the morning, Aaron tells the kids that they are going to a donut place and getting Angie apple fritters. This was her favorite thing and He told them that they were going to go get them for her. They go and get donuts, but after leaving, they do not go toward their home. Gracie said in a video statement, quote, When Grant realized that Aaron wasn't driving back home, he tried to jump out of the car. Aaron grabbed Grant's wrist so hard he thought it broke, end quote. These poor kids, how bad does it have to be? that you're willing to jump out of a moving car to get away from somebody. On June 21st, 2013, Angie and Aaron appear in front of Philip E. Smith for the divorce hearing. Angie's own father testified against her and in Aaron's favor. Just a little side note, Aaron's attorney had donated to Judge Smith's election campaign four months after the hearing. October 7th, 2013, Judge Smith orders a forensic mental health evaluation for Angie. Despite the medical reports from her doctors and the doctor who examined her at Parthenon Centennial Hospital, the judge chose Dr. Freeman, who conducted the evaluation. Dr. Freeman's report stated that Angie is a loving, caring, and capable mother agreeing with her doctors and the doctor at the hospital. Judge Smith dismisses the report. It apparently doesn't support his narrative. Um, he, it looked like he was trying to prove that she was mentally unstable and not a good mother. Um, so he didn't, he didn't like the evaluation that he got from everybody saying the complete opposite, that she was a good mother. That's just some of the corruption that happens in this. Um, February 2014, Angie is finally able to see the children for the first time since June of 2013. When Angie sees Gracie, she has large purple bags under her eyes and looks unwell. There's a picture um, when you go to my blog and click on a link. There's a picture of her and that poor baby 
she's pale and it her eyes are so dark that it looks like she has two black eyes but she's just she just looks exhausted on february 18th 2014 aaron is only letting angie see the kids at sporting events gracie sits with her mom and tells her that aaron is still sexually abusing her trigger warning she tells Angie that Aaron is putting soap inside of her and that it stings. Angie is able to record a small part of this conversation. December 19th, 2014. Aaron refuses to let the kids see Angie for Christmas. This is the second Christmas without their mother. March 16th, 2015. Gracie contacts Angie on FaceTime without Aaron knowing and shows her mom bruises on her inner thighs. Gracie said she didn't know how she got these and Aaron told her it was just a rash from her bathing suit. April 5th, 2015, Aaron has a warrant issued for Angie's arrest due to failure to pay child support. From April 5th, 2015, to early 2018, Aaron has control over Angie and the children's lives, over every aspect of it. May 4th, 2018, Angie meets with Patty Trimley and Lori Ellswood about selling a MLM product. Um, you know, it's one of those multi-level marketing things. Um, Angie explains that she needs to focus on her children's safety and the safety of others at the GCA campus. Angie opens up about the abuse to her family. She also tells Patty and Lori that Aaron has been privately messaging underage girls from the GCA campus. The women are horrified and call in Bill Woodward, campus security at GCA. Bill Woodward states that he will talk to Judge Deanna Johnson, who attends Grace Chapel with her husband, State Senator Jack Johnson. Woodward states that Judge Johnson told him that she could only help Angie if Angie's case came across her desk. Angie filed for dependent neglect. Patty advises Angie that Robbie Mason... He is the headmaster of GCA. Will not do anything about Grant, Gracie, or grooming of other students. Patty states that the campus is controlled by the founder, Steve Berger. Berger. Steve Berger. Due to the information from Patty, Angie goes to her friend, Williamson County Sheriff Jeff Long. Patty attended this meeting with Angie. At the time, Patty was Steve Berger's assistant and suggested a meeting be held with Grant about the abuse. The meeting was scheduled four days later. The Sheriff's Office report corroborates Angie's claim. There are no church members mentioned in the report, and it confirms Aaron's grooming of young girls on social media only. 18 days later, a de- 18 days later, a detective contacts Angie and she tells him about the family abuse. 
Sheriff Long assists, I'm sorry, Sheriff Long assigns Lieutenant Tamika Sanders to the case. When she finds out that Aaron is sexually abusing Gracie, she schedules a forensic interview at Davis House, which is a child ad advocacy center. May 7th or 8th, 2018, Bill Woodward, the GCA security, introduces himself to Grant and Gracie and shows them where his office is. He tells them, quote, they can go there if they ever need a place to hide, end quote. May 8, 2018, Steve Berger, according to his own statement, speaks with Grant. Berger said the reason for the meeting is that Grant wants to become closer to God. Grant said that he wanted to talk to Berger about getting help for himself and his family. May 16, 2018, Angie asked a church elder, who is also an attorney, for help. For her and her family. The elder ignores her saying there's nothing he can do. So this poor woman is being abused. They're, you know, her parents and her soon-to-be ex-husband are calling her mentally unstable. They've taken her children away. She turns to her church, which, you know, is the place that she feels like she can turn to for help. And nobody's willing to help her. On June 1st, 2018, Angie sends the recording of Gracie telling her about Aaron and the soap to Lieutenant Tamika Sanders. The first week of June 2018, Angie speaks with two other church elders, Ron Gonser and Pastor Rick Kua. After sharing the account of the abuse, Angie and her children have been through, these elders did not offer any help or offer to call DCS or the police. Apparently, they thought the best course of action was for them to pray over Angie and anoint her with oil. That was their solution, not to call DCS or the police or try to help her get to a safe place or anything like that. Just, you know, pray over her and anoint her with oil. That was going to solve everything. July 9th, 2018, Grant and Gracie do their forensic interview with Davis House, CAC, and Tamika Sanders. After the interviews, Sanders calls DCS. DCS advises her to not investigate any further. Sanders does as she's told and does not and does not do what is in the best interest of the children. She's a mandated reporter. She's supposed to protect those. She's a cop. She's supposed to protect those children. We also here in Tennessee have a big, big, big DCS problem that it would take an hour to go into about how horrible it is and how they keep dropping the ball and everything. So I'm not surprised that... They told her not to investigate it any further because the way it looks, Aaron has connections all over the place. So this was probably coming from somebody he knew, but also DCS around here in Tennessee. They don't like to get involved in anything. It, it's a whole horrible, whole nother story. 
on August, um, August of 2018, Grant and Gracie run away from their father. Aaron sends the cops after them, hoping to scare them into behaving. He um, had them picked up not far from the school, and I think he was trying to embarrass them and scare them into what he thinks is behaving correctly. August 15th, 2018, Heather Webb is appointed guardian at Lidham, and that's an attorney assigned to represent the best interests of the children in the upcoming hearing with Magistrate Cabell. August 16th, 2018, Grant has a baseball tournament in Cary, North Carolina. Aaron and Gracie attend. Gracie calls her mom when Aaron tells her that they have to return to Nashville for a court appearance. Aaron stops and get a hotel room in Asheville, North Carolina. The room he books only has one bed. Gracie alleges that Aaron molests her and rapes her in that bed. Gracie talks about this traumatic event in a video on YouTube. There's a link to it. August 17th, 2018, at the hearing, Magistrate Cabal refuses to watch Gracie's video testimony. I don't, this makes me so mad. Why would you not watch that? That poor baby, what she's been through. Cabal makes the ruling that Grant and Gracie will stay in Aaron's custody. Gracie is terrified. Heather Webb gives Gracie a card with her private number on it. Um, Aaron and Gracie then have to go back to Cary, North Carolina to pick up Grant. August 31st, 2018, Aaron shows up at GCA to take Gracie and she's terrified. She runs to the headmistress's office in tears. She calls her mom. She tells the headmistress everything that Aaron has done to her. The headmistress dismisses her and calls in Robbie Mason, the owner and the headmaster. He does not report the incident. He doesn't try to help. All he does is make Gracie get in the car with her abuser. On September 16th, 2018, a new hearing is held with Magistrate Cabal. Cabal watches part of the forensic interview. At first, he agrees to let both children go back to Angie. However, he then changes his mind and only allows Gracie, stating that Grant can take care of himself. November 7th, 2018, GCA administration calls a meeting with Gracie. This included the headmistress, Rona Branson. They called this meeting to tell Gracie, this is insane, to tell this child that she needed to stop talking about the abuse. They claim they are trying to protect her reputation. I'm going to say that again. They call this meeting to tell Gracie she needs to stop talking about the abuse. 
They claim they are trying to protect her reputation. I, I don't even know what to say about that. That is horrible and in, just insane. In February 2019, Angie files a petition for dependent neglect. The case goes before Judge Deanna Johnson. Remember her, the state senator husband, member of Grace Chapel? Pastor Steve Berger has made his support for Aaron very clear in church. So back to Judge Johnson. She dismisses the case, dismisses the case, and labels Angie a, quote, abusive litigant. And that's when someone exploits the legal system to assert power and control. This woman was just speaking her truth and the truth for her children. So Johnson also barred Angie from filing any motions against Aaron until Gracie turned 18 years old. Why? Why would you do that? There's so much. You have to click on the link and see all the evidence for this. There's so many people trying to cover this crap up. It's ridiculous. This poor woman and her children. That's all of part one. Um, Part two will make you even more mad and hurt your heart. But this needs to be talked about. It needs to be brought to the attention of a lot of people. Because um, it just keeps getting swept under the rug. And so we're not going to let that happen. We're going to keep talking about it and sharing it. And I want you all to share it and talk about it. And that's all I have for today. And I will be back with you all soon for part two.